Greetings, students, loved ones, new listeners, old listeners, Abarisha, and all of those who are on this red road uh, seeking to establish a better place for themselves on the planet and a better place for themselves after Earth. There's a question that I'm often asked, and that's, what should we do when someone dies? What can I do when someone dies? And regardless of spiritual system, regardless of cultural proclivity and investment, investment, uh, we all have one surety, and that's that we are going to die. And there is a part of it that's part of us is going to die, and it's part of us is going to live. And at some point, we're going to have to abandon the earth. And we'll go into the land of the, of the sky king and queen. And then we'll even abandon that space. You know, so uh, our leaving a space is always our entering into a space. So in this segment, what I'm going to deal with is death. I'm going to deal with what we do when someone transitions. And not necessarily uh, one set rule because uh, as a priest, that is something that I handle often. You know, funerary rites and atonement rites. But even if you're not ordained or if you're not initiated, there are things that you can do to help to ease the transition of your loved ones. But what we're going to do, you know, we're going to include something for the olders and we're going to include something for the elders and we're going to include something for the children. We're going to start with the story, the story of Kintu. Some of you who are familiar with Buganda uh, may be familiar with. Kintu, the legend of Kintu, uh, but also the person is Kintu being uh, one of the progenitors and the kings of the Ugandan kingdom or the Bugandan kingdom. Let's start with this idea of uh, that's given to us by Kintu of the beginning of death. When Kintu first came to the earth, he found that there was no food at all. He brought with him one cow and had only its milk for his food. In the course of time, a woman named Nambi came with her brother to the earth and saw Kintu. The woman fell in love with him. She wished to be married to him and told him so. But she had to return with her brother to her people and her father, Gulu, who was the king of the sky. Nambi's relatives objected to the marriage because they said that the man did not know of any food except that which the cow gave, and they didn't like him. Gulu, their father, however, said that he had better test Kintu before he agreed to the marriage. He then sent his son to take Kintu's cow. For a time, Kintu was at a loss with what to eat, but he learned to eat herbs. Nambi happened to see the cow and knew it. She complained that her brothers wished to kill the man she loved. She then went to the earth and told Kintu where the cow was and invited him to return with her father to take it away. Kintu consented, and he went. When Nambi's brothers saw Kintu with their sister, they told their father. He ordered them to build a house for Kintu and said they were to put him to another test. An enormous meal was cooked, enough food for a hundred people, and they brought it to Kintu. He was told that unless he ate it all, he would be killed as a thief. If he failed to eat, they said, this would be proof that he was not the great Kentu. He was then shut up in a house and left. After he had eaten and drunk as much as he wished, he did not know what to do with the rest of the food. 
Fortunately, he discovered a deep hole in the floor of the house. He turned all the food and beer into it and covered it so that no one could detect the place. He then called the people outside. The sons of Gulu came in, but would not believe that he had eaten all the food. They therefore searched the house but failed to find anything. They then went to their father and told him that Kintu had eaten all of the food. He would not believe the story and said Kintu must be further tested. A copper axe was sent by Gulu, who said to Kintu, Go and cut me some firewood from the rock, because I do not use ordinary firewood. When Kintu went with the axe, he said to himself, What am I to do? If I strike the rock, the axe will only turn its edge or rebound. However, after he had looked at the rock, he found there were cracks in it. He broke off pieces. And then he returned with them to Gulu, who was surprised to get them. Still, he said, Kintu must be further tried before they gave their consent to the marriage. Kintu was next sent to get water and was told he must bring dew only because Gulu did not drink water from wells. Kintu took the water pot and went off to a field where he put the pot down and began to ponder what he was going to do to collect dew. He was sorely puzzled, but upon returning to the pot, he found it full of water, and he carried it back to Gulu. Gulu was most surprised and said, This man is a wonderful being. He shall have his cow back and marry my daughter. Kintu was told he was to pick his cow from the herd and take it. This was a more difficult task than the others. Since there were so many cows like his own, he feared he would take the wrong one. While he was thus puzzled, a large bee came and said, Take the one upon whose horns I shall alight. It is yours. The next morning he went to the appointed place and stood and watched the bee, which was resting on a tree near him. A large herd of cows was brought before him, and he pretended to look for his cow, but in reality he watched the bee, which did not move. After a time, Kintu said, my cow is not there. A second herd was brought, and again he said, My cow is not here. A third, much larger herd was brought, and the bee flew at once and rested upon a cow, which was a very large one, and Kintu said, That is my cow. The bee then flew to another cow, and Kintu said, That is one of the calves from my cow, and so on to a second and third which he claimed as the calves that had been born during the cow's stay with Gulu. Gulu was delighted with Kintu and said, You are truly Kintu. Take your cows. No one can deceive or rob you. You are too smart for that. He said, Nambi, and he called to Kintu, and he said, Take my daughter who loves you. Marry her. Go back to your home. Gulu further said, You must hurry away and go before death which was called Walumbe, comes because he will want to go with you and you must not take him. He will only cause you trouble and unhappiness. Nambi agreed to what her father said and went to pack her things. Kintu and Nambi then took leave of Gulu who said, be sure if you have forgotten anything not to come back because death will want to go with you and you must go without him. 
they started off home, taking with them besides Nambi's things and the cows, a goat, a sheep, a fowl, and a plantain tree. On the way, Nambi looked into her basket and found out that she had forgotten the grain for her fowl and said to Kuntu, I must go back for the grain for the fowl or it will die. Kintu told her not to go back, but in vain. She said, I will hurry back and get in without anyone seeing. He said, your brother death will be on the watch and he will see you. She would not listen to her husband, but went back and said to her father, I have forgotten the grain for the fowl and I am come to take it from the doorway where I put it. He replied, did I not tell you that you were not to return if you forgot anything? Because your brother death would see you and want to go with you. Now he will accompany you. She tried to steal away without death, but he followed her. When she returned to Kintu, he was angry at seeing death and said, Why have you brought your brother with you? Who can live with him? Nambi was sorry. So Kintu said, Let us go on and see what will happen. When they reached the earth, Nambi planted her garden and the plantains grew rapidly. And she soon had a large plantain grove and they lived happily for some time and had a number of children. Until one day death asked Kintu to send one of his children to be his cook. Kintu replied, if Gulu comes and asks me for one of my children, what am I to say to him? Shall I tell him that I have given her to be your cook? Death was silent and went away, but he again asked for a child to be his cook, and again Kintu refused to send one of his daughters to serve death in this or any other way. Death then said, I will kill them. Kintu, who did not know what he meant, asked, What is it you will do? In a short time, however, one of the children fell ill and died, and from that time they began to die at intervals. Kintu returned to Gulu and told him about the passing of the children and accused death of being the cause. Gulu replied, Did I not tell you when you were going away to go at once with your wife and not to return if you had forgotten anything? But you allowed Nambi to return for the grain. Now you have death living with you. Had you obeyed me, you would have been free from him and not lost any of your children. After some further entreaty, Gulu sent Kakuzi, the brother of death, to assist Nambi and to prevent death from killing the children. Kakuzi went to earth with Kentu and he was met by Nambi, who told him her pitiful story. He said he would call death and ask him not to kill the children. When death came to greet his brother, they had quite a pleasant meeting, and Kakuzi told him he had come to take him back because their father wanted him. Death said, let us take our sister too. But Kakuzi said he was not sent to take her because she was married and had to stay with her husband. Death refused to go without his sister, and Kakuzi was angry with him and ordered him to do as he was told. Death, however, escaped from Kakuzi's grip and fled away into the earth. For a long time, there was strife between the two brothers. Kakuzi tried in every possible way to catch his brother Death, who also escaped. At last, Kakuzi told the people to remain in their houses for several days and not to let any 
of the animals out and he would have a final hunt for death. He further told that if they saw death, they must not call out nor raise the usual cry. The instructions were followed for two or three days and Kakuzi got his brother to come out of the earth and was about to capture him when some children took their goats to the pasture and saw death and called out. Kakuzi rushed to the spot and asked why they called and was told they had seen death. He was angry because death had gone into the earth again. He went to Kintu and then he told him he was tired of hunting death and wanted to return home. He also complained that the children had frightened death into the earth again. Kintu thanked Kakuzi for his help and said he feared nothing more could be done and hoped death would not kill all the people. From that time, death has lived upon the earth and killed people wherever he could and then escaped into the earth. So what does this informative story of Nambi, Kintu, Walumbe, Kakuzu, and Gulu tell us? Well, as it relates to death, right? This is what we're looking at in this Arisha podcast. How should we conduct ourselves? What should we do? What can we do when someone dies? The first thing is do not regret. Do not regret their passing. Do not regret their transitioning. You see, because it is the regret that brings the pain. It is going backwards like Nambi went back to get what it, what her husband was already able to provide for her because he learned how to grow and eat herbs. He could have grown grain for her goat, but she regretted something that was behind her. So she went back and in going back, she caused more pain than the actual the uh, the guilt or the or the, uh, the trauma you know, or the pulling and the tugging that the regret would have actually caused. So she did not listen to her father. She did not listen to Gulu. And she did that foolishly. Well, neither one of them did. Because Kintu could have stopped her. So once you do something foolish, then remorse and guilt sets in. You know, if you do something and you do it mistakenly, You may not necessarily feel guilt. You may not necessarily feel remorse. But when you do something and you do it in error, then that's when the remorse comes. See, there's a difference between an error and a mistake. In error, you know, you you knew. It's like doing something stupid. You chose to do something wrong. You could have positioned yourself differently. You chose not to. When you do something mistakenly, you know, you might have tried what you knew to do the best that you have. You might have clawed and, and pulled and, and tried to seize the best of what you knew to do, but you just were not able to do it or you made a mistake or, or you miscalculated. It's not the same thing as an error. Kintu and Nambi made an error, which then brought Walambi onto the earth. You see, and the remorse that we have when someone transitions Because we've done foolish things while they were here or we've done foolish things and even trying to retrieve parts of them that no longer need to be retrieved because they've moved forward. 
We're jumping inside of caskets and looking to jump inside of graves. Oh, take me with you. Come back, come back, come back. You can't come back. These are foolish things. And those foolish things only bring remorse because we were told not to do that. In order to go forever, in order to approach that initiatic judgment scene that we all will at some point and have our heart weighed against a feather, you have to you have to live with no remorse. You have to even live with no regret. Because the regret and the remorse, the regret brings the remorse. And it causes us to replay, replay, replay. And, and then what happens is we start to live out echoes of what we can never have. Sometimes we even do that when relationships die. We're remorseful about the behavior that we display in our relationships. So then when they're over, the echo of what we will never have again continues to replay in our minds. Sometimes we go through that with our children. We have regrets and remorse in how we raised them and the decisions that we made pertaining to them, the people who we decided to have them with, the people who we were when we had them. And that remorse and that regret, it echoes and echoes and yet it, it becomes torturous. And we forget that all moments must pass. Everything in this world is temporal. No matter what Kakuzi did, he could not find his brother Walumbe. He could not retrieve him. Now, we know from Bugandan myth, or what many people call Ugandan story, that um, Walumbe settled in uh, Tanda, in Singo. Okay, so that's, that's the part of the earth that he decided to stay at. And he still allowed prosperity among people. However, he still comes out of uh, that space in order to do what he does. However, he did not take Kintu. And if you know anything about Bugandan story, you know the importance of Kintu and not only uh, unifying and organizing uh, the Bugandan kingdoms, but uh, very similar to our our King Oduruwa and uh, our Yoruba culture was that great great unifier and great person who drived so many things forward and so many people forward so first thing before we we you know and everybody wants ritual should i do this should i do that should i do that don't do anything until you're thinking right you see kentu and nambi had everything that they were supposed to have they had their goats they had their cows you see they had all of their belongings they had all the things, the planting tree, that would have that would have allowed them to live prosperous on the planet. They had everything that allowed them to transition from one place to another. But Gulu said, "You can't come back. You can't come back from here. Like how we can't come back from death. So life and death, right? You extend yourself from one life." And you have to mourn and say bye to certain things in that life and go to the next life. See, they didn't have that mindset. They didn't have their minds right. So Nambi goes back and 
bring something across the, the threshold, something across the gate with her that changed the world forever. You can't go back. And as Kintu was tested and he was put through trials in order to receive what it was that he needed to make himself whole, those of your loved ones and your egun have gone through the same exact process. Your ancestors, they went through trials on this earth. And in, in this ancient myth, you know, we don't even use the term earth. Actually, we just use the term Buganda. So Buganda is considered to be all of the earth. And if you know anything about Buganda or, or Uganda, we'll say, we'll say Uganda, it is the beginning of everything. It is the beginning. It's the beginning of the now. The now begins in Uganda. Hmm. You should wonder why it doesn't it doesn't get talked about as much as Kemet. And it's the actual beginning. You should wonder why. <laughs> First African country to have drones sent into it. By the black president I could say black Because that's You know It's a legal term Uganda But That you know This is not a, a Talk about politics This is a talk about What should we do When someone dies The first thing We gotta have the right mindset Without the right mindset We'll cause all sorts of problems They went through certain trials And tribulations While they were on the planet here In order to Receive Their counterpart. In the next round This was a proving ground This is a proving ground This is your proving ground This is my proving ground We all go through things We all do Myself included Some of the things that I, I Have gone through and go through If I told you I'll Turn your hair white So I know what's waiting or what I'm working towards in terms of my mating with me is a great thing. The greater the call, the greater the trials. You see? And I'm not talking about some great thing in the by and by. I'm not talking about that. Because life and death happens every day. The trial that I go through today creates the greater marriage with a better me tomorrow. You see? It's it's immediate thing, you know. You don't have to wait too long. So we gotta have that mindset first before we do anything. We gotta have the mindset that, you know, we're not gonna weep tears because what happens in like the proverb in this particular story, it says that when you know remorse, when you when you're remorseful, you weep tears of blood. Now, what that means is this: if you're weeping tears of blood, what are you doing? You're leaking life out of you. So remorse remorse actually takes life from you. Remorse actually detracts from you. You see? Because you have these echoes of what could have been and what was. Oh, I remember when my grandmother used to do this with me and my father did this. And, you know, and my parents split up and, you know, I stopped talking to my mother or I stopped talking to my father. Or I have a brother who decided to go live with my other parent or sister and... 
we stopped talking and I'm so regretful about that. I'm so remorseful about that, but it's gone and it will echo and echo and echo. So the first thing you do is you you celebrate their moving forward. You feed their moving forward. You propel their moving forward. You give them everything that they need in order to establish themselves in the next world. See, that's where you begin. So even when you, you, you look at some of the, the um, stories and the ideas in ancient Kemet, you see that. You see. You see things that were, that were packed so that the next space where the next person was going, they would have everything they needed. Like when Nambi packed her chicken and Nambi packed her goat and Nambi packed, um, you know, the uh, plantain. Why does she have to take those things? Because I can't come back here to get them. I can't come back here to get them. And these are things that I'm going to need to establish myself in my next reality. You see? So when your ancestor pass, passes through this place, what will they need to establish themselves in the next space? What provides sustenance? What provides life? Now, of course, coming from the sky, because remember, Gulu was in the sky. And then coming to earth, there's certain things you're going to need in the sky, there's certain things you're going to need in the earth. So where do our Egun go next? Well, in most senses, they go where they think they were going to go. They think they were going to go to heaven. You need to talk to your elders and ask them, what's your idea of heaven? I've had elders who I've spoken to And I said what do, you, what do you think you're going to go after this Because this is an important question I always ask And they, you know, I've had elders say I'm going to go into the, into the ground That's it It's all over Lights out So where do you think they went So What would I give to an elder Who says something like that to me When they transition Light Shovels, all things related to agriculture. Because if you're going to live in the earth, you're telling me you're gonna you're gonna go live with Kayakuzi. That's what you're telling me. You're gonna go live with Iku. You're gonna go live in that space in the underworld. So what are the things that you li- that you need to live inside of the earth? See Kayakuzi or, or Kakuzi. Which, you know, was um, the brother of Walumbe. The reason why I say you'll live with him because Kaikuzi means he who digs holes. <laughs> so like a grave a grave digger, if you will. Right? That's that's the kinda kinda the idea there, if you will. But you but you see that Walumbe is down there in the earth. Like a Iku is down there in the earth. And um there's certain caves that is said that Kaikuzi has dug, you know, and um, one of the caves are uh, Tatanda, which is in Singo, which, like I said, that's where uh, Walumbe is said to be in these sacred caves. So if I have an elder that tells me, well, I'm all I'm lights out going in the ground, I'm going to think about the cave. OK, well, what do you need in the cave? Right? What kind of food works well in a dark environment? What kind of lighting works well in a dark environment? What would you need? What would you need? What would you need? 
You see? So it varies for each person depending on where they say they're going to go. Now you may say, but I've never asked my elder that. Well, go ask them. We're always looking to do some kind of magic on people without telling them. We're always looking to do some type of voodoo on people who we don't even have an earthly relationship with. And if you don't have an earthly relationship with them, then you don't know how to feed them and support them in the next reality. And that's important. You know, when your ancestor transitions, it's not about what they can do for you, even though it becomes that so often. You know, I'm going to ask them this and I'm going to ask them that and they're going to show me this and they're going to show me that. How do you know they're equipped to even help you? They might not have even been properly equipped when they were on the planet, which may be why they're an ancestor. You have to think about those things sometimes. It's it's, it's actually pretty important. How can I support this person? Well, what did I know about grandma? Well, she liked to go to church or she was a Jehovah Witness or this and that. Okay, well, what can I what can I give her to feed her to go further than she was when she was here? You see, because grandma may have been a Jehovah Witness, but you may be a Muslim. So would you give her the Quran? Well, maybe not, but you might have to use a little intellect and think, well, what would what would take her to the next level? Outside of the Jehovah Witness if, if we wanted to evolve That way of thinking Maybe maybe I might give some books Explaining the origins of the Jehovah Witness Or explaining the origins Of certain religious messiahs And of course light is always good I may give some water Why would I give water? Because water is a container of consciousness Water is easily programmed And I can program the water Before I give it to grandma And isn't grandma now in my own DNA Now that she's transitioned Hasn't she absorbed herself back into the earth Because what is the earth You You are the earth But see when you have that that, that ability To face the resiliency or, Or the test of life with resiliency Yeah I know You know I'm always Always got the phone going off I was told recently That that is Everybody's just used to it now So okay We're all used to it then But when you have that ability To Face the trials of life Then you come under that That saying It's a, it's a Kikanga saying Abana Bakintu and that means Kintu's children will never be wiped off the earth Now Kintu's children Remember there's two Kintu's There's the King Kintu And there's the Legend Kintu But I really don't think they're two different Kintu's In my estimation <laughs> Because remember we live in different realities all at once But sometimes we gotta let go of one of them you know, you may be your your father, your mother's son or daughter And it's going to be a time when they transition and that reality is gone You won't have that anymore But if you are the child of the one who can face your situations with resolve You know I remember it was a time when Kintu was the only person on earth 
you know, when you become the master of your own domain and you can become comfortable and adjusted to your own space and silence and isolation, you become a child of Kintu. So you feed your ancestors forward. Now, there's certain rituals I can give you. I've given them to clients before, and that's particular. I usually read on that, and I give, you know, out of my own subset, you know. And for that, askosiris.com. You have to schedule a consultation. A-S-K-O-S-I-R-I-S dot com. But even before you do that, you got to get your mind right. Because if you don't, you'll be bringing more power, more power to the things that you don't want, more power to the things that you don't want for your ancestors. That's bad business. That's no good. We don't want to do that. So ultimately, our greatest skill and ancestral work and funerary rites is our ability to remove remorse and regret from our psyche. Which removes the echoes of pain and trauma of what we can never have again. Peace.